The stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, the man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. On this episode, we are continuing with our review of the player cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for the benefit of new players. This is part two of our Seeker review. We're going to take a look at the cards Preposterous Sketches, Seeking Answers, Level Zero, Shortcut, and Inquiring Mind. There are spoilers throat if you care about that sort of thing. If you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Just a quick reminder of how we rate cards here on The Whisper in Darkness. The best of the best get an Elder Sign, while the worst of the worst get an Auto Fail, and the cards in between get a plus one, zero, or Elder Thing respectively. Cards that you build around, or are good in one particular deck, get a Blessed Token, while cards we believe are destined for the list of taboos or are simply bad for the game get a Curse Token. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. The Arkham Horror LCG community is amazing, and these people have gone above and beyond to bring you content like these player card reviews. If you'd like to support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to Patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty for the amazing art that graces the channel, Nicole Fiscus for the new Whisper in Darkness logo that I use for the podcast, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for the intro as well as the overlays. Thank you very much. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to our review of the player cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for the benefit of new players. This is part two of our look at the Seeker cards. We're going to kick things off with Preposterous Sketches. It's a two-cost event with a willpower and intellect skill icon, insight trait. Play only if there is a clue at your location. Draw three cards. Thoughts on Preposterous Sketches? Good card. It's not a lot, not a lot to talk about on this card. Yeah. We already talked about um, Lab Assistant, about how you spend two to get two cards and some soak. But if you're playing a Seeker and maybe your ally slot is filled by Dr. Milan, you've got preposterous sketches. You spend two, you get three cards, but not the soak. But also, you don't spend the ally slot. Yeah, I think this card's actually pretty solid. One thing I really like about preposterous sketches is how elegantly fair it is. You spend two, two resources, which is kind of like two actions worth of effort. You know, and you spend an action to play it, and you get you get to draw three, the equivalent of three actions worth of effort. You know, I just I just love how how fair it is, and like how you're translating one resource into another. You know, do it, that those trade offs. I, uh, I I like this card mathematically. Drawing cards is good. the uh, The insight trait does become uh, more relevant once we get uh, Joe Diamond, who can drop this into his hunch deck and play it for one resource. It is a little bit pricey at two resources sometimes, especially if you're not playing this in a dedicated seeker, but uh, you can't really argue with drawing three cards. There is a level two upgrade in the Return to the Dunwich Legacy uh, box that reduces the cost to zero. Again, much like uh, I've got a plan, uh, I haven't upgraded to, to that card, just haven't really felt the need. Again, we, we talked about costs a lot in our first Seeker video, and here is another take on the whole cost. Again, you can only play this if there is a clue at your location. Uh, I've run into this actually quite a few times, I think, largely because as a solo player, there aren't that many clues on locations, so, and I tend to move pretty quickly, so it's like grab clue, move, grab clue, move, and timing this right can get 
awkward sometimes because you sort of have to play this first, then grab the clue, then move and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But more often mm-hmm. than not, it's it's not such a big issue. The only time it really comes back to bite me is is sort of when you get stuck at a location and you you've already grabbed the clue, but then say an enemy has shown up and you've had to deal with it, and then you've got this card in your hand, and you're like, oh, I I play this now, but I can't, mm-hmm. which is kind of a pain, but. Other than that, uh, this is uh, pretty decent. How would we rate this one? It's tough. This this one feels well. I guess within the context of just Core and Dawn, which this is a a plus one. You know, it's a really solid card. You know, drawing cards is really never bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I will point out about this card is that it can be kind of awkward in the beginning of the game because a lot of the starting locations don't have clues on them, and you do generally oh. want to get your your assets on the table as quickly as possible so this is one of those situations where you would want to play this but oftentimes you know say you're starting in the miskatonic quad that doesn't have any clues on it so you have to play something move and then play the prop sketches and now your turn's over i don't think it's that bad because in the opening turns of the game you've already had your mulligan so it maybe you'd mulligan this away and then you use this like as the game has set off to like reload your hand you know yeah, dig yeah, for yeah. icons you know dig for good events yeah 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 totally it's you know it's not deep knowledge it's not i oh, draw yeah, three it's... whenever i want it's you know you have to actually kind of plan around playing it if you have a good way to get yourself resources so that means if you're playing like a seeker and you have dr milan and maybe some emergency caches in your deck and you're good on resources then I think this card gets really good and becomes like a plus one. If you don't have good ways of getting resources, thus to offset that quote-unquote three action cost of having to spend two resources and a um, and an action to play it, then it's less good. But if you're, but yeah, if you are, if you have two preposterous sketches and two emergency cash in your deck, then you know the efficiency is starting to like, you know, show itself off. Yeah, I'd give this a plus one in in our context here. Because card draw's good. I'm going to give it a plus one as well. Yeah, like you say, it's sort of that cost can be somewhat tricky to handle if you're not playing. If you don't have a good resource engine, spending two resources can be a little tight. But, uh, I mean, drawing cards is is one of the ways to, to help you win the game. So a card that gives you three three cards is, is very nice. And Cryptic Research is in the... Uh, revised core set but you've got to spend a lot of xp to uh to bring that into your deck so if you don't want to spend that xp which is entirely possible in dunwich at least you do have another option that is available to everybody unlike cryptic research which is basically restricted to rex and daisy at 4 xp the next card is Seeking Answers. It is a one cost event with an intellect and agility skill icon insight trait Investigate. If you succeed, instead of discovering a clue at your location, discover a clue at a connecting location. The uh, level 2 upgrade for this card was reprinted uh, in the revised core. It was originally released in the Harvey Walter starter deck. So if you picked up the revised core as your first product, you've already got the level 2 upgrade for this card, which is better than this card. Yeah. What do we think about this one? This card's pretty niche. Yeah, I can. There are scenarios like Miskatonic Museum, for instance, that this could actually be pretty useful. The exhibit halls, for instance, you know, say you're you're at the, I don't remember the name of the location, the the museum hallway, 
you mm-hmm. can kind of snipe clues off of the uh, the various exhibit locations, which is pretty nice. You know, it's kind of that pseudo bonus to an mm-hmm. to an investigate that we've talked about in previous reviews. So it's it's okay. It's just a little slow, and sometimes you're just going to investigate. Okay, so the the usefulness of this card comes from. Okay, if you're standing on a low shroud location and you investigate a hi- and you use it to get a clue off of a high shroud location. Pretty nice. That being said, it's not all that often that the difference in shrouds is more than two. Mm-hmm. And if the difference in shroud is just two, might as well play um, perception. Perception. Yeah, you might as well play perception at that point. Although you could also argue that you're not you're taking less of a risk by, say, investigating a two shroud location. You know, and you get a clue if you manage to beat the two, but you might, if you were to play Perception on a four-shroud location, you might fail, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I think it's a little more niche than, say, Deduction or um, Perception. But mm-hmm. if you already have both of those, this isn't bad because it's going to help you do what you do well. I wouldn't play this in solo because having, in order for a, a, loca- a location to have clues on it, it usually has to be revealed. In fact, it almost always it always has to be revealed. So you run into the problem of like you either have to leave a location behind, or you have to go ahead and then step back to to investigate, which is both of which are kind of awful. But if you're in like three or four player, you know, it can save you that movement of having to like go out and investigate that location. And that's when this thing really shines when it saves mm-hmm. you moves. There is, yeah. I mean, we'd be remiss to ignore the combos with Rex and deduction too, right? Where you use this, you commit deduction or your Rex, you succeed by two or more. And now you're discovering a clue at your location and the connecting location. Yes. Rex kind of overcomes the downside of, um, of seeking answers, which is you don't discover any additional clues. You just kind of mess with the shrouds and I guess it can save you moves as well. So I guess I'm going to, I'm going to be very long winded and come and come down to the point of, if you're playing multiplayer and you don't want to move everywhere and you save yourself move actions, then this gets pretty good. Or if you're playing barricade, this is also true. I've really warmed to this effect over the years, uh, largely from my experience playing Sixth Sense in Mystic, which was released in the during the uh, Circle Undone cycle. It has a very similar ability to this, and this is a really good way to snatch clues at inaccessible locations and we've talked a lot about high shroud locations but and locations with enemies are also problematic because especially if you go to a location you draw an enemy and then you're in this very awkward position where it's like okay i need to evade the enemy grab the clue and leave which takes three actions so this just happened to me in a game the other day where it was like if you fail to to evade the enemy on your first action, then you're now you've got two actions left and you have to evade the enemy and then you have to decide do I leave or do I stay mm-hmm. and to get that clue. And if you stay, you know okay, I have to evade that enemy yet again the next turn. Whereas if you've got something like seeking answers, you can that that problem sort of is mitigated because okay i failed my first test i can still evade and move and leave and then investigate that location from afar the following turn this is also a good way to get around locked door which appears in in quite a few uh, scenarios where if 
if the door gets slammed shut on you, it's like, okay, I'm a seeker. This is going to be tough for me to break down the locked door because I don't have high agility or combat. I leave the location, use seeking answers to grab the clue from a different location. So I think this has this has quite a few good uh, applications. It can also help Roland deal with cover-up. I don't know if I would necessarily play this version over the level two version, which I think is is superior in a lot of ways. But I do like this effect a lot more than I did back, say, during the Dunwich Legacy core set days, where I was kind of like, ah, I don't really see the need for this. But having uh, played Sixth Sense quite a bit and being able to snipe clues at locations that have become inaccessible either due to high shroud enemies or locked doors is is quite nice. How would we rate this one? I'm going to stick with a zero. I think it's very solid if you have a plan for it, but if you're just kind of playing it willy-nilly, it's not going to be the best card. I think, Man From Ling, you really touched on when this card is really good, is when you know, locations become just a huge hassle or a burden to have the seeker go into, like you were saying, like with an enemy. You know, I, I had a similar experience playing Wages of Sin where all the heretics spawn and, and you need to get the clues off the location in order to complete the unfinished business. And a card like Seeking Answers could be really good in a scenario like that. Yeah, I think I'm also going to give it a zero. If you're just going to throw it in willy-nilly, play perception instead i'd say yeah but if you're if the way your group is working out you're gonna have someone like go ahead of you then i think this is pretty good i'm starting to think here that dunwich has like a decent amount of locations where this sort of effect is pretty good uh miskatonic university there's a location where that costs you extra to investigate there i think there's some tricks you can do in um essex county express to like investigate ahead of you and thus like help clear the road for the team there's yeah. also the uh, the Arkham Woods locations that use other stats. Um, that's right. So. Um, Blood on the Altar with the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the classic example of you know you have to like spend actions going in and then leaving before the boss hits you. Yeah, so maybe like Dunwich has a good u- good has good uses for this. Now that I, I think about it, I think in terms of design, I'd give this an Elder Sign. I just I really like yeah <laughs> how much like thinking a card like this makes you do yeah and how how like subtly powerful i think an effect like this is i really like any card like this where the seekers become masters of investigation by not necessarily by just bludgeoning and getting more clues but by like manipulating shroud values or like manipulating where the clues get discovered or moving Mm -hmm. clues around yeah i really like these kinds of effects i'm still gonna give it a zero because um deduction because of uh deduction and uh perception so it's not like the straightforward always awesome card but i I still like it i think i'd be willing to bump this up to a plus one if the icons were better which is something that the Uh, uh, level two version fixes because it gives you two mm -hmm. agility icons which is awesome because then as deck space gets tighter you don't necessarily have the room to play two copies of manual dexterity and everything else you want to play so having this card in your back pocket even if Mm -hmm. you know to investigate if necessary but also commit to a to an evasion if necessary is very very nice as it stands i think i will give this one a zero as well i really like the effect but it is 
like you say, somewhat niche. It it can be very, very helpful. It's just, I think in multiplayer, oftentimes you're just better off just sort of brute forcing your way and you really just want to discover as many clues as possible. But it does have, if you are finding yourself in, in such a lot of situations where you are struggling to discover clues at at the location you're at and would probably be better off just moving away and, and doing it from somewhere else, then you do have a, a solution in, in seeking answers. But uh, fortunately, the level two version was reprinted in the revised core. So uh, I think if that's where you started with this game, you already have the better version of this card. So this one kind of loses a little bit of uh, of its value, but uh, I guess those are those are the decisions the designers made. So the next card we're going to talk about is Shortcut. It is a free event with a uh, willpower and uh, agility skill icon, insight and tactic trait, fast play only during your turn. Choose an investigator at your location. Move that investigator to a connecting location. Probably one of the best cards in the set and yep. almost yep. two of in every deck I play that can play it. It has to be very particular deck if I'm not going to be playing shortcut. It's a free move, but also it allows you to break the turn order to move yeah. somebody else, which is crazy good. Yeah, that's where you can start getting really creative. Like you could shove somebody into a location with an enemy as the seeker and then they engage the thing and then you're able to move in after them. That's mm -hmm. like one quick, exa quick example. There's some, also some tricks you can do like involving um, basically buying another action for someone else by going before them and moving them along. So let's say you're sprinting to the end of the scenario and you know your buddy needs to get to a particular location to say resign. Um, shortcut let, basically buys you and buys them an extra action. This is one of the best cards in the game, um, in my opinion, because it costs zero and it's fast. So, like, it's actually interesting to compare Shortcut to the card that we just talked about, Seeking Answers. Seeking Answers is one cost, and it lets you do... It doesn't give you any additional effect. Like, it gives you one clue, but it kind of makes it easier to get that clue, or it um, kind of plays around with the, the amount of setup you need to get that clue. But in its most basic sense, it just... It gives you... It lets you lower the shroud you need to get a clue and it costs one so shortcut costs zero okay but yet has a much more universal effect you always need to move shortcut is never going to be anything but but like an a bonus action whether for you or for someone else and i think that's something that's worth considering like as we like look at cards is like why is shortcut cheaper than seeking answers i don't know I, I think I know, and I think it's simply that the designers just undervalued how important movement actions are in this game. Okay. You know, I, yeah. I think they, they, they definitely understand that discovering clues is the most important aspect of this game, right? Like when, like mm -hmm. you were saying, comparing this to seeking answers, seeking answers costs you an action and a resource in addition to playing the card and all the other steps you got to go through. But, you know, Shortcut, they were probably like, oh, okay, you know, we'll get them to that location, and then they can play the Seeking Answers, and then get the clue. It'll be like, you know, 
a fair exchange, but that's never happened. <laughs> ended up working yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Shortcut is, is very good. I think, um, yeah, I think it's undercosted at zero. And um, yeah. I'll also point out that I think they undervalued movement because of another card that we'll soon talk about. You know, and I think the tandem of those two cards, I think to me at least, cement that they they definitely undervalued how how good movement is. Sorry, I had to vomit a little bit there. I mean, you you really can't argue with a card that's fast and free. The fact that you can choose any investigator location and break the turn order is is awesome. You don't suffer attacks of opportunity with this, so you can move. Yep. If even if you have an enemy on you, so you have the whole you're racing to the end of the scenario, you need to move to the resign location, you've got an enemy on you, or even two enemies, play shortcut, move, resign, take no attacks of opportunity. This is very, very nice against the odd massive enemy that you run into because massive enemies uh, can't chase you with you. this. Sorry. So you can play, even if you're engaged with a massive enemy, you can play short or sorry there's a massive enemy at your location you can play shortcut and get away from it and the massive enemy won't follow you there is a level two upgrade in the pallid mask uh, mythos pack which is actually quite um different from this one yeah. uh, which is unusual for upgrades uh, the upgraded version of shortcut is actually uh, an event that plays on a location and basically lets everybody use it I haven't had the chance to play that, being predominantly a solo player, but uh, certainly in multiplayer, if you can drop that upgraded shortcut on the right location, man oh man, you can generate tons of action advantage. I'll say shortcut level two is in like, it's definitely my top five of like most powerful cards in the game, like you know, in a multiplayer environment, because of the number of actions you get out of it, and the fact that you, it doesn't doesn't even have to be your turn to like use shortcut level two uh no it doesn't so being able to uh use shortcut level two when it's not your turn it actually leads to some like crazy stuff like uh i'm not even gonna go into it because it's we'll save that for the carcosa review yeah how good that card is i and, think uh, the biggest problem yeah. with shortcut is that it is simply too good and yeah it overshadows pretty much every other movement effect in the game except for another card that we will talk about pathfinder uh, later down the road the designers have struggled to create uh, movement effects that can match shortcut and pathfinder and we have seen several over the years since shortcuts release and Inevitably, they are compared to Shortcut and fall short and are relegated to the binder because they just simply can't compete. And so Shortcut is amazing, but they did yep. too good a job with this one. Maybe making it cost something. I I'm honestly don't know how they could have reined it in that would have made the other all the other movement effects that they've released playable. Well, it's here's just... a thought. Why does it have to be a secret card? It should be a rogue card. Yes, it should. Yeah, rogue got elusive. So, like, why change class to seeker, you know, here in Dunwich? A rogue card, it makes sense, because rogues are all about cheating extra actions, and at least they were in the core. Yeah, And about moving around the map in big, big swaths. Yep. Yeah, so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, because Rogue got what's it? Um, elusive. They have Leo Deluca. They have um, Cat Burglar. Mm-hmm. Um, they even have Think on Your Feet. You know, mm-hmm. extra moves around the map. So like, why did Seeker get shortcut? I don't know. I think this is the expansion where Seeker slowly begins to eat every other class's lunch. Yes, isn't it? It's yep. like they mm-hmm. steal the rogues' movement. They steal the guardians' yep. uh, attack and fighting. They just become, <clears throat> excuse me, universally good <laughs> at yeah. all of the aspects of the game. I'd ask yeah. you how we'd rate this one, but uh, I think it's pretty clear that uh, this one gets another sign across the board. Unless you want to give it a curse token. Um, I could see why you would. Simply this isn't because the it... offender, but it is part of a group when when you start combining effects together that gets offensive mm. but it's not like the offender this is the accessory to the murder this is the co-conspirator this is the uh this one's going to jail for uh this one's going to jail for conspiracy to commit murder not going to jail for murder does that make it a curse though yeah this is tough because it is so ubiquitous and like you were saying it does set a really bad precedent for all other movement cards to have to live up to you know like we were talking about nimble and hiking boots and all -hmm. these other movement cards that are just ugh. and -hmm. i think shortcut was sort of the start of that yeah so if only it it cost one (laughs) it feels so much better if it cost one because at least you like have something you have to pay to play it yeah i think as it stands though I don't know if I'm willing to give it a curse token. Okay. You know, I think, like, at the end of the day, like, you are still trading a card. Yes. That's, so, the, that's the that's the cost. But then again, you're kind of doing that with every other event. True. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I think I'm, I'm willing for this card to exist because while it does forward the game state, I do like that it at least makes the player think about how they're going to use it. Whereas something like I've got a plan is just very clearly I kill enemies with this card. It's very one note. It doesn't make you think it just brute forces the answer. Mm. Whereas at least with shortcut, there is some creativity in how you can use it. I'm going to give it a very purple elder sign. (laughs) I'm going to give this one an elder sign Largely because I think I might have been willing. I mean, it is part of the problem. Clearly, the designers have had a very difficult time since Shortcut and Pathfinder's release of creating cards that can compete uh, with movement. I guess the reason I'm sort of settling on Elder Sign is that a recent deck I built, I immediately included Shortcut in it and then took it out because elusive was better and so it's not as ubiquitous as i thought it would be i thought you know if i can play shortcut in my solo decks i will and in this case i'm like actually shortcut is not the tool for the job so i mean elusive has ended up on the list of taboos as well but i tend not to play with the list of taboos anymore so i just stuck with elusive so I think it's it's definitely an elder sign. As far as design goes, I think this is a curse token. 
Oh, gotcha. So that's going to be our new uh, column on our our, our giant grid of uh, yeah. all the ratings for all the various specific situations. So we're going to have the the in play. We're going to have the in play rating. We have the solo rating. We have the multiplayer rating. We're going to have the small card pool rating. We're going to have the large card pool rating. We're going to have the design rating. We're going to have the artwork rating. Yeah, I like the artwork actually. This, this is good. I, I like that. It's like this dude, like this dude, just like popping out of a manhole. Like it could be Jim Culver, you know. And like you can see, like in the background, there's like a cat and like what looks like a rat there. Like this guy's in some back streets, you know. This is uh, he knows where he's going, right? You don't just wander into this into like a uh, alley like this. You like go there for a reason. Yeah, you could you could say that he he knows the town like the back of his hand. It's what the flavor text meant all along. So elder signs across the board for shortcut with the uh, the proviso that. Uh, as some of the seeker cards in this set, it is uh, part of a larger problem that uh, yeah. that started here. We're going to end this uh, episode with a skill. This is Inquiring Mind. Skill with three wild skill icons, innate trait. Commit to a skill test only if there is a clue at your location. There's that, uh, that cost again that uh, reigns in the power level of one of very few i don't think there are many other cards at this level that just hand you three wild skill icons not at this point in the game no and actually that cost has come back to bite me in the ass a yeah. lot like there have been so many skill tests where i'm like haha i'm gonna pass and then i realize there are no clues at my location and then i'm like a sad panda yeah mm -hmm. but, yeah this uh, card is very deceptive in mythos phase particularly because yes. you, you end your turn you grab the clues and you're like i'm scott free and then you commit inquiring right and you go ah that actually your friend across the table says oh, but, 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 but 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 doesn't it say that you, you say shut up trevor <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the problem with inquiring mind so you were um so, Mr. Lang, you were talking about preposterous sketches and the limitation of need, there needing to be a clue in your location to play preposterous sketches. But preposterous sketches, you can, you kind of you have a choice of when you play it, and you can kind of choose to play it before you drain the location of all its clues. Inquiring mind, however, since it's icons, you don't really have a lot of choice of when you need those icons. So, like in, you're in mythos phase, and you go, "Oh no, there's no clues on my location." So I think this card is very good. It's not, I wouldn't play it over Unexpected Courage though. Mm -hmm. I'd play it as Unexpected Courage number three and number four. Yeah. I would play it as Perceptions number three and four. That works too? Yeah. Or, or or Guts three and four? You know, mm. I think I'd play Guts. I think I'd play Guts over this. I would play Guts over this too. Yeah. But with Inquiring Mind, you may not need like manual dexterity as often if you have Inquiring Mind. Mm. Or, well, definitely overpower. You may not need overpower as often. Like, if you're not the primary fighter, you can get away without playing overpower and playing this instead. Yeah. Yeah, especially in two-player, you know, where oftentimes maybe you only grab one of the clues during your turn, and then your partner kills the enemy during their turn, and then there's a clue left over. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there are situations where that's, that's going to be the case, but especially in solo, you're kind of just moving grabbing a clue moving so inquiring mind essentially just becomes a perception at that point yeah a very good you. perception mind you but 
Yeah. Yeah, and I do like how Inquiring Mind, it works well when you're able to help out your friends because it's it's wild icons and wild icons are good for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I could see a situation where, like, say you shoved the Guardian forward with your shortcut and then they they fight the enemy, you know, and now all of a sudden, like, during the following turn, you move in uh -huh. And there's still a clue there, and you help them with your inquiring mind. Yeah. Like, deal the last yeah. chunk of damage or whatever, you know? So there are definitely situations where this comes up, but I just, I really like this design. I think this is a really good card as far as design yeah. goes. Yeah, it's got one more question mark than um, Unexpected Courage, but you can't use it all the time. Uh, the innate trait does become relevant as your card pool expands and you pick up Silas Marsh from uh, the Innsmouth Conspiracy who can play innate cards. This is very nice in Silas since he has the option of playing this and then, depending on whether he needs it or not, can bounce it back to his hand. Um, three wild icons at this stage of the game is not very common and... Three wild skill icons are great. I mean, they allow you to trim... If you need to trim some skills to make some space, you can dump this in, and this can be your overpower or your manual dexterity or perception, and uh, you're good to go. And it does have a cost that can be quite impactful, uh, depending if you end up in the wrong location at the wrong time and this is sitting in your hand, you're not going to feel great. How would we rate this one? I'm going to give this one a solid plus one. I've really liked this card throughout the years, and I still play it to this day. Yeah. In fact, I'm, but it's in my Garolin deck right now. It's, yeah. it's just really solid. You know, like, okay. while it doesn't get you any extra clues or anything like that, it ensures that you get the clue that you're going to, uh, that you're going to get. And you can combo it with deduction and things like that to ensure that maybe you're playing some sort of rogue off class and you want to trigger that lucky cigarette case. And now this helps you do that before you get your lockpicks in play or something like that, you know. It's just a really right. solid card. Yeah, I'd also give it a plus one. Like I was saying earlier, um, where I think that Unexpected Courage is like an Elder Sign, this isn't quite up there, but it's still quite good. So, yeah, I'll give it a plus one. I'm going to give this one a plus one as well. It's very good for what it does, and uh, I don't think you're going to be too disappointed by having a card that gives you three wild skill icons for for whatever test uh, you happen to need it, as long as you pay attention to your location on the board to make sure you were positioned properly. Um, no, uh, can't complain about this one. That's going to do it for our look at the second batch of Seeker cards in the uh, Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion. Let us know in the comments down below what you think. Any final thoughts? Man, I really wish they had continued on with this, like, you can only do X with if there are clues at your location. I think it's a really interesting way to balance Seeker cards. Oh, yeah. That and um, I really like the um, idea that the theme that Seeking Answers has of a Seeker not brute forcing locations, but like manipulating Shroud and locations of clues. I really like that, and I, I really wish they would like keep that going. There are a few you, cards that do, but I like that you, You're saying you wish that the game forced you to use the player's intellect in addition to the character's intellect because i find that like just brute forcing it and hoping that you don't draw the auto fail is a less fun experience <laughs> than well it's like you know a card like seeking answers 
Yeah. You know, it rewards smart gameplay. Yeah, Whereas exactly. Deduction just rewards you for not drawing the auto fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, so we got, we got some good cards here. Yeah. Yeah, these are they're fun cards too, which I think is a mm. important distinction to make as well. It's like, you know, they feel rewarding to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like getting that really big payoff for a card like Seeking Answers. Well, it doesn't say it on the text, but it doesn't have to because the game yeah, exactly. presents situations where it becomes really good. And mm-hmm. then you f- you feel like a genius for including it in your deck. And I think that's that's when the game is at its best for me. Oh, yeah. When you like when you and your friends, um, you know, put your heads together, look at what's in your hand, look at how many actions you have and like you figure out how to get yourself out of the most terrible situations. That is when Arkham Horror really shines for me. And Seeking Answers helps with that. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.